Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is Joe Lynch, and I'm joined by my good friend and brother-in-law, Matt Collins. Say hello, Matt. Hello, Matt. Just kidding. (laughs) So, Matt, introduce yourself, you and your company. Sure. My name is Matt Collins. I'm the general manager of Sunant Interactive out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay. So, I've known Matt for 30 years. He's my brother-in-law. And uh, going back, I don't know, 10 years ago, eight years ago, I started working with him on websites. And that's what Matt's company does over there at Sun Ant Interactive. And me being a logistics guy, the only websites I'm ever working on is with Matt. Matt's company does all sorts of websites beyond the logistics ones. But today I want to talk to Matt about a better way to sell logistics services. And Matt and his team over at Sun Ant, they are experts at it. So Before we get into the topic, though, Matt, tell us a little bit about your background. Where did you grow up? Where'd you go to school? What'd you major in? All that kind of stuff. Oh, God. So uh, let's see. Grew up in Brookfield, Wisconsin, which is just west of Milwaukee. And it's where I live today. I went to undergrad at Cornell College in Iowa, where I studied history and international relations and Spanish. And then I went to graduate school, spent a semester at Baylor, and then I got my MBA at Thunderbird, the American Graduate School of International Management, which was at the time at Glendale, Arizona. And now it's been gobbled up by Arizona State University. So they've moved the campus recently. Okay. It's varied background there in school. What was your first adult job? So after graduate uh, work, I unfortunately fell back into uh, playing music and I actually had never stopped and got invited to do a couple studio sessions with a local recording studio out in Phoenix and then ended up being roped into joining a rock and roll outfit out there and then spent the next seven years making records and traveling the United States and not doing anything even kind of related to what I studied. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's interesting as you get older, I was telling Matt's daughter who's 20 something at the time, uh, Yeah, your dad's band was awesome. I mean, I saw them when they came through Detroit and they just were awesome. And I I remember having some of their CDs and I know they got a lot of airplay out west where they're from. And she just shook her head and said, no, (laughs) no, no. (laughs) I said, unbelievable because he's a techie now. But anyway, (laughs) so after you stopped rocking and rolling, what was your first job after that? Right. So I was uh, 30 and I had two kids and that lifestyle is definitely for the young people. So, and I think my wife wanted me kind of maybe to make some money. So I started a business with my brother who is a real successful restaurateur. We started a business um, doing lead capture solutions and CRM solutions for retail automotive. So we did that for about three years, then that died, (laughs) not for the want of trying. And then I went to work for various agencies and, uh, you know, in the interactive space. So web development, operations management, 
projects management, all related to web. And then in 2009, me and a couple of buddies decided to go off on our own because like everybody else, we figured we could do better than anyone else. And that was 10 years ago. So, And you're still here. So what was your hope when you started? I mean, what did you guys think made you guys different and better? Uh, you know, it's really sometimes difficult to, I mean, 10 years ago, when you're working for someone else, you're asked to sell a lot of stuff that maybe can't be justified and you're selling, you know, a lot of pixie dust and in particular, you know, 10 years ago. So it was a little bit after the dawn of like, you know, search engine optimization as a discipline, but there was still enough unknowns in that field that, you know, a lot of people were losing a lot of money and not getting a, a lot back for it. So that would be one example um, from our standpoint, you know, frankly, if you don't control the means of production, you know, you're going to be doing it the way that your boss or employer wants you to do it. And from our perspective, like I said, we figured we could do it better. And I don't want to sound too sensitive, but I think there's a way to be ethically profitable. So where the client is getting an, a decent fair return and you're making a decent fair wage. So I think that's kind of what our thought was. You know, we like to say we're kind of the island of misfit toys over here. So, you know, all of us are certainly interesting characters. So <laughs> I think it's a pretty good description of Sun Ant. <laughs> so I, I know you you guys started the business. You have some different philosophies. And one thing you've always said, and I always thought it was interesting, you always say, we can't work with everybody and we only want to be part of good stories. And so I think it's interesting. You guys tend to weed out companies that don't want to do things your way. And, and I don't think it's you guys being super picky, but if somebody's got unrealistic expectations, you say, look, <laughs> we'll set you straight. And if you agree that we can work together, you're going to have to kind of come halfway to the sun at way. We're incapable of working with everybody, but we don't want to work with everybody. And, you know, there are certain people who frankly are better off with other firms. And then there are certain people who you know, in organizations that love working with us because we're frankly brutally honest. And we always say this is not brain surgery, what we do. However, in a sense, we're realistically experts, like a physician would be an expert. And if we suggest certain things to you, we're not suggesting them just for our own health, right? You can take our advice or leave it. That's entirely up to you, but at least we're going to give you our advice. Uh, we think that people pay us for our expertise and they pay us to have opinions. And so, like you said, that's not for everybody, for sure, but it is for some people. And those people we happen to work really well with. And, you know, we're 100% referral company. So, like you said, we just want to be part of good stories. We can't afford to have bad stories. That's how it's worked for us for going on a decade in July, this July. And you guys are still here, living indoors, eating every day. Yeah, that's helpful. <laughs> yeah. So uh, getting into the logistics business, because that's what my audience cares about. You and I and your team, Damon, Anthony, uh, James, we've done some work on logistics websites. And again, I, you guys not being the logistics experts, the web experts, I was bringing the content and some of the logistics expertise. But um, I know you have some very strong opinions about transportation and logistics websites. 
Please share those with my audience. <laughs> so when we first started working together on some of these sites, you know, I think I was stunned because I was certainly aware of the dollars in play in the, the industry, if you will, of logistics. And I was frankly shocked with the disposition of, I want to say 201 of the websites that we looked at and were building new sites to replace. I was just kind of shocked because they definitely seemed like they must have been afterthoughts because they're frankly horrible. Yep. Just as a general rule, the logistics sites that I've had the pleasure to review have been, you know, just sad, just god awful. Yep. So it's bad for the company that's not going to do anything about it. It's really great for the companies who are serious about, you know, their online presence, right? Because everything online is about your relative strengths versus a, your online competition. And if you're in general, the competition is presenting itself really poorly online, then you can make some hay in some cases, right? And you can really move the needle against the competition. So on the one hand, I was surprised at how bad a lot of these sites are. On the other hand, you know, you and I were real excited because we could have a severe impact on those companies that engaged with us. Yep. Matt, if I could add something, and you, you and I have had this conversation many times, the industry kind of evolved from freight brokerage. Most of the selling was done by freight brokers, and they were used to making 100 phone calls a day. And, you know, you had to have the right price and you had to build some relationships and build a book of business. And it really kind of bypassed websites. And so the neglected, outdated websites that we see out there kind of reflect the industry norm, which is we're hustlers. We're going to pick up the phone and make a lot of phone calls. Because we're making those phone calls, you never really had to build an online presence. And when you start building an online presence, you're trying to differentiate yourself, which means some sort of specialization, something that lets me rank on Google in a way that another guy doesn't. And as Matt and I've started working with people, I know when Matt always says, what's your specialization? <laughs> and it's always, oh, we got great customer service and we got the lowest prices, which who doesn't say that? <laughs> so, so it's, we have, you know, quote unquote, proprietary software. I mean, the real killer is like you said, you know, we're trying to work with clients and, you know, we're business people. So we, we're not just like pixel jockeys, right? Anyone can slap together a website, but if you approach the website as a business person, so I need to get inside the client's head. What is your business model? What are you good at? What do you want to be good at? What do you want to present online? What are you experts in? Where does 80% of your revenue come from? And I say, where are your strengths? And, and you say to me, well, we're strong at everything. What am I supposed to do with that? How can I tell a story online that you can do everything as it relates to logistics? Yeah. How can I rank you for everything, right? If you think of it this way, is when somebody says, I'm everything to everyone, chances are they're no one to everyone. We say that all the time, uh, but it's nothing can be truer when it comes to the website development. Yeah. And Matt, if I could add one thing is you pointed out that yeah, a lot of websites are bad. And I think they're upgrading quickly because I think everyone's realizing that 90% of the B2B customers start online with a web search. And I think the opportunity that you just alluded to is 
if nobody's really spending the money, nobody's making the investment, nobody's making the effort, there's a big opportunity to rank for what you want to rank for. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not magic. You got to spend the time and the effort to get it, but there is the opportunity. And I, I think that's kind of like being the smartest kid in the dumb class, which is something I did often in school. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you know, it's interesting. If you just do a retrospective, travel back in time to like, let's say 1997, and imagine you're calling on retail automotive, which I was, you know, and starting in say 2000. In 1997, the idea from within the retail automotive, you know, these shops, right, was, well, people just come to us and or they call us and they buy a car, right? And I remember talking to folks in 2000 that I had one guy in automotive say, oh, that internet thing's all played out. And he, he was dead serious, right? They had to get with the program really quickly. And frankly, they're probably some of the most sophisticated internet marketers at this point. But the tide was coming, right? And some of them did really well and some of them, frankly, went away. So yeah, it's adapt or die. And then they had to deal with cars.com and now they have to deal with kvb.com and they deal with carfax.com. So I think given the amount of money in logistics and some of the things that I've heard with regard to really, really big players trying to revolutionize logistics and how people purchase logistics, and I'm trying to say there's some, you know, the sky's falling. I'm saying that the market doesn't wait. And so maybe that's why you see folks hopefully jumping on the bandwagon and really kind of getting their internet, their online presence in order. Because you can only hide for so long, I suppose, is yep. the way I would put it. Yeah, Matt, there definitely is a consolidation. A few months ago, I interviewed uh, Peter Stefanovich from Left Lane Associates. And they do uh, buying and selling their brokers of logistics companies. And he made a big point of, you know, get your online house in order before you sell, but also have a specialization, which we already talked about both those things. And if there is a consolidation and you want to have some sort of specialty, you want to have something that makes you different and better, either to survive or to sell your company at some point. So there's a lot of reasons that you actually go through the effort that we're talking about to have that web presence. Yeah. One of the things I would just point out is, you know, in our travels together, one of the things, and this is pretty common, right? If you approach it as an opportunity, like you're building a new site, you're finally going to really embrace this stuff. A lot of times because of the questions that we're asking, it gives the organization just a minute to kind of like pick up a mirror, hold it up to themselves because they're forced than to say, okay, wait a minute, what do we do really well? What do we want to people to perceive that we do really well? Because they need to hang their hat somewhere, right? So a lot of times organizations, it sounds goofy, but they go into doing like a new site or you know they've engaged with us and then suddenly they get some clarity, right? Because they're forced to answer certain questions. Who do you service? What do you provide them? Why should people choose you over the next guy. Yeah, Matt, it's interesting you should say that because uh, a lot of times when I've been working on websites with Matt, with customers, they all kind of think that the first conversation is going to be, you know, very technical. And and usually it's anything but, and it's usually, what are you good at? What makes you different and better? And it's so often in this space, we're an industry of hustlers that are all kind of trying to grow up into the web space and rank for things. And you can't rank for customer service and you can't rank for the lowest rates. 
No, for sure. So you need to be good at, <laughs> for instance, in Sunian's case, right? We're really good at building websites. We're really good at on-site search engine optimization. We're really good at pay-per-click marketing. What we are not good at is social media marketing, right? So what we are not good at would be like email marketing. It's good to know what it is you're really good at, and it's good to know what it is you're not. We'll get right back to the podcast in just a moment. If you sell transportation or logistics services, the Logistics of Logistics can help you sell more. Our customized program will help you understand your sales personality, including your strengths and blind spots, get more sales leads, and improve your communication and salesmanship. We can also position you as a recognized industry expert and help you reach your target audience. To learn more, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com. And now, back to the show. Matt, so shifting gears just a little bit. So the topic today is there's a better way to sell logistics services. So let's talk about that. What is that better way? Take us through that. Well, we've been, again, in our travels and talking with your clients and working with your clients, it's all about closing business as it always should be. I mean, you can have a great looking site and if you haven't sold anything, great. You have a great looking online pamphlet, right? <laughs> so, yep. so I think the first thing is, you know, I ask yourself, what is the current disposition of our organization online? And be honest about it, right? And then think about what are realistic expectations and goals that we can have, you know, for the short, medium, and long term. Because I will tell you, the clients that do really, really well are very deliberate, they're prudent, and they understand that things don't happen overnight. If your expectations are out of whack with reality, it's not even worth thinking about how you can do better online or do more business online. If you're deliberate about this kind of continual, you know, improvement type approach and approaching it scientifically. And then three years from now, two years from now, a year from now, you can be pleasantly surprised with what you've accomplished. Yep. So it is definitely not for the faint of heart. And it does stress an organization to do it properly because it requires a different set of skills maybe than the organization is used to having to put into play. So being realistic about what it is you have and where you want to go and actually heeding the advice of experts who know what they're talking about, that's probably a good place to start. Yep. And Matt, if I could um, add something, we've had this conversation many times is the hardest part of sales in any business, but in our businesses, transportation logistics, the hardest part is always getting good leads and websites are great for getting leads, but it doesn't happen overnight. If you have to make a sale tomorrow, you got to get on the phone and make that happen. But if you want to get started on getting a lot of good leads, you know, on a regular basis, it might be a year or two out or six months out, but websites are the key. And there's guys in this business, there's companies we're very well aware of who get a hundred thousand, a half a million hits on their website every single month which makes selling a lot easier when they've come to you. And Matt and I just had this conversation off air is when somebody reaches out to you, they're saying, I have a problem. I think you can solve it. And I want to work on it today. As opposed to when I'm 
cold calling someone, they're saying, who's this? Yeah. And if they do have the problem that I'm hoping to sell, sell them a solution for, they might not even care to work on it that day. They might say, yeah, that's a problem, but I don't know who you are and I don't want to work on that problem today. So websites are a great way to get started on getting a lot more leads. And again, that's the key to this business is better leads. Right. So everything that you do with regard to the business has to be measured against profit. That's just a fact. I'm a business owner. I get it. There's a bunch of crap, a bunch of activities that Sunend can be doing that will amount to absolutely nothing. And if it can't be measured, it's probably not worth my time as a GM to invest in, right? So the same goes for your online presence and your online activities and your marketing efforts. If they can't be measured and if there is no return, then you're probably wasting your time. The good news with regard to doing you know, online efforts is there's no place to hide. Either you're getting more leads from your new site or you're not. Either you're getting more leads from your investment in search engine optimization or content or whatever, or you're not. Or you're getting more leads from you know, your pay-per-click outlay or you know, advertising outlay, or you're not. There's really no place to hide, right? So that's, I mean, that's the good side of it. The, what I would say, you know, realistically is if you start from a base, look at your website. We think websites can either be hurting your sales, be neutral to your sales, or be helping your sales. So in the case of, let's say you get someone on the phone, Chances are they're, you know, if they're actually going to talk to you and it's a cold call or what have you, you know, they're going to look up your website, right? And if your website doesn't match their expectations, you can lose that sale just because, yeah, they like what you're saying on the phone, but they pull up your site, which is the first thing anyone does, and they go, wait a minute, these guys are telling me about how much they've invested in this proprietary software. And their website looks like it was built by their cousin in their basement on Wix. You know what I mean? So, you know, the website has to present well. Right. We've had a, a podcast not so long ago with Ann Holm. And Ann Holm always uses the term digital first. And she says that digital first means that that first impression really sticks with people. And again, if the sales pitch doesn't match the website and the website's really a positive Maybe that helps you. But if you say, that, boy, that really seemed to be a, a great call. And then I look at the website. Now you go, I think I'm being sold a bill of goods because their website doesn't reflect what the sales guy told me. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the worst case scenario, right? Where your website hurts you in a real way hurts you. If it's neutral, you know, you can live with it. If it's great, you can definitely live with it because the make or break of business is always at the margins, right? So it's the one sale here. It's the one sale there. It's the sale that maybe you didn't expect. It's the one that came through from three months ago. You know, they finally got around to, I mean, you know, I mean, that's where businesses are, are, that's where the success is made in my opinion. So again, when you're assessing your own website, maybe the easiest way is to say, if I were in one of my prospect shoes, is this site reflect negatively on me? Is it neutral or does it reflect positively on me? I mean, that might be a real good place to start. So Matt, let's talk a little bit about uh, companies that have been successful. So when thinking of your clients who are successful online, what do they have in common? They're realistic. They approach things scientifically. 
they understand things aren't, you know, nothing happens overnight. So their expectations are proper and they can see the mid to long game. I mean, maybe I've said the same thing three times in there. So they have a much longer vision. So we've had clients come to us that, you know, we say, look, this is not going to happen overnight. They say, yeah, okay, that's great. You know, I understand. And they stick with it. And now they're you know, doing great. And it's, you know, after a couple of years, I mean, even in your case, Joe, you know, you said when you first came to me about doing a website, I said, look, this is going to be a grind. This is a marathon. You know what I mean? To have enough excellent content to really be stocking your site with making a clear argument that you're an expert, right? Exactly. And and it has been a grind. And I will say the uh, it never ends. The investment in time and money never ends. I, I need to redo my site this year. And as soon as I clear up my bill at Sunday, I'll probably do that. <laughs> so talk about, um, I think you can mention a few names of companies you know that won't mind. So tell us about some of the sites that you've been really happy with that we've worked on together. Sure, like Armstrong and Associates. Um, Ooh, the big dogs. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I mean, obviously they're in the research kind of capacity, but they've been a real success story and they were successful before we came along. They're just more successful online now. And they've been, like I said, they've been successful for a long time. And then I think one that comes to mind, Joe, is Dynamic 3PL. Ah, yes. So, I mean, that one kind of jumps out at me because that was one where the owner was exactly as I just kind of described. When you asked me, like, hey, what qualities does a successful client have? And so there was no panic on their side. You know, it was very deliberate. They were able to support us when we say, hey, we need content for this, this and this. Or this is, you know, really what we want to focus on. They were very involved, but at the same time had a good deal of, you know, trust and faith in our expertise. And so, you know, I'm happy to say that as far as I understand it, you know, they're reaping the rewards of that and continue to, you know, through today. So, I mean, you would know better because I don't deal with them as frequently as you do, but yeah. Well, I do know, uh, I'm actually interviewing Dan at, for this podcast uh, in a few days. So I do know they're having some success still with the site. And I do know uh, they were always very professional. They had the right attitude from the beginning on this. So yeah, very impressed with those guys. Yeah. I also know they're getting a, a lot of opportunities from their website. And, you know, one thing that they had that a lot of other clients we've worked with might, some have, some don't have, is they had a real sense for what made them different and better. So they knew... We're a food contract, food packager. We're a warehousing company. We're transportation. They knew that. Other companies kind of struggle to come up with what their specialization is. Yeah, but see, so when someone points out and they, they know who they are, right, it makes our lives so much easier to get them where they want to be, right? Because suddenly we're building a site, the information architecture, based on those silos or those areas of excellence and we're building content to make the argument to the search engines that they are experts in this area right and we're doing the on-site seo and ranking you know activities for specific activities right so they're not saying we're everything to everybody which 
again, is nearly impossible to market. Well, it is impossible to market. Yeah, so I think if you had asked me about two, I'd say Armstrong and probably Dynamic 3PO. Yeah, both great sites, both great companies. So, Matt, thank you so much for sharing what you know about this business. And I know you have so much more to say about it. What I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile in the podcast notes and a link to SunAnt Interactive's website. And uh, if you want to reach out to Matt, you can. He has done a ton of websites outside of logistics, but done some really great logistics websites with me and the team from Logistics of Logistics. Thanks again, Matt. Yeah, thanks for having me. I wanted to just uh, also personally thank you for helping me to learn more about logistics than I ever, 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 ever (laughs) (laughs) intended to learn. I've always said that the team from SunAnt knows uh, more about logistics than any other web team you're ever going to bump into, and they don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks. Thank you so much for being here, Matt. Thanks for the audience, too. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, please email Joe Lynch at joe at the logisticsoflogistics.com.